Hello, and welcome to the very first ever podcast of Saddleback Valley Shares. We're always looking for new ways to go ahead and share out information about our school district, and we thought this would be a great opportunity to continue sharing. Uh, I'm Mark Perez, Director of Communications and Administrative Services for the district, and I'll be interviewing different guests uh, on different topics on this podcast. Today, on our very first episode, we're very excited to welcome our superintendent, Dr. Crystal Turner. Hi, Mark. How Hi. are you? I'm doing great, Dr. Turner. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. I know we've been talking about a podcast for a long time, so I'm super, <laughs> super excited that we're finally doing it. Absolutely. All right. It's going to be great. Our very first episode today is going to be something that's very timely. We're going to be discussing the facilities master plan, because that's been coming up a lot. And we're also going to be talking about this word that's being thrown out, uh, or this phrase, if you will, potential bond measure. It's something that uh, people have questions about and they want to know about it. So you ready to get into it, Dr. Turner? Absolutely. Okay, great. So, Dr. Turner, can you uh, explain to our listeners what the facilities master plan is? It's actually a pretty extensive document, hundreds of pages, something we've been working on for a couple of years. So maybe just in a nutshell for our listeners, give them a Cliff Notes version of what we're talking about here. Well, one of the things that's most important to note about our facilities master plan is that we have met actually over about 150 meetings with parents and staff um, and administrators to find out what each need at each site is. So um, while we want all of our schools to have a general baseline of the same equipment, every school is unique and we need to have um, different equipment to meet those needs. So our staff has gone out and had those multiple meetings at each site to generate this plan that really specifically outlines at each site what the needs are. And there's a couple of things that have come up over and over. Number one, we need updated classrooms. Some of our furniture is 40 and 50 years old. It was bought with the schools when they were new. Um, We need to work on upgrading our audio-visual equipment so that our students can see from anywhere in the classroom what's happening up on the screen or or the board. Um, We really need to think about our safety and how we can make sure that our schools are ultimately as safe as we can possibly make them. And we also have some just general repairs that need to be made around the school district. And so all of those things combined are really what's incorporated in our facilities master plan. Awesome. Thank you. That's a great uh, little synopsis there. So it sounds like uh, the community has definitely had some opportunities to participate in those meetings that you mentioned. I know there's been some presentations at our board meetings to really uh, educate people on what's going on. So that's great. So we'll be referring to that moving forward in this episode as the FMP, just a little easier to say the facilities master plan. Dr. Turner, what are the next steps then? So it looks like the Board of Education has officially adopted the facilities master plan in the, I believe, June. the next step so we're going to go back out to each of our sites to communicate what was actually on the final board approved list for each school site and then we have to start talking about what are the ways that we can fund those improvements because while it's wonderful to identify our needs and it's important as our roadmap moving forward we also have to figure out how will we find the money and in our general general operating budget there isn't a lot of extra money for things that need to be repaired on this scope And so one of the things that we've been talking about with our school board is, is it the right time to maybe consider asking our community to support us again, as they did in 2004 with Measure B. We'd really be able to take a big chunk out of those improvements and really make our school district um, continue on this high level of education that we're able to provide. And so I think, you know, that's one way that we're going to be able to address that. Okay, great. I know you've talked about funding a couple times already in the last couple of minutes. And can you just maybe, uh, for people that still maybe don't understand, why is it that, you know, everybody knows we get funding from the state. Um, why is it that we can't use those funds to, to go ahead and uh, 
used toward these facilities improvements. It seems like that's something that should be part of that. Well, it's really important to note that California hovers between 41st and 42nd in the nation for funding. So we are at the very, very bottom of what that looks like. And we are funded on a per pupil basis. So for every child that we have in our school district, we receive funds for them. And because we're funded at 41st and 42nd in the nation, it really does the basics of covering salaries and benefits and supplies um, for students and just the really the base educational program. And I think the amount of incredible programs that we're able to offer is really at great thanks to our incredible teachers who have offered these special things. Um, but going above and beyond and making sure that our furniture is flexible and meeting the needs of our students and classrooms these days, it, we really need some additional help. Okay, thank you. Um, what's the time frame on completing an FMP? Is that something that gets done in one year? I mean, would we be able to hit all those school sites or what's the reality on something like that? So let's say we were able to get funding that would allow us to complete all of the projects on our FMP list. It would happen over the course of, of a couple of years. So. Um, each school site would be touched in our facilities master plan. We believe that every school deserves to have things um, improved and it would take some time to do that. We would see immediate action with our furniture, with our classrooms, so that every student sitting in our schools around the school district would feel an immediate improvement in what they were able to have in their classrooms. Awesome. I think some of our listeners may be familiar with what we've been doing over the last couple of years at our classrooms at all levels with the SV Innovates classrooms where we've been renovating um, some classrooms at each uh, school site and we continue to do that right now. So is this something, and we're talking about classroom facility improvements and furniture, would it be something if people are trying to picture what this would look like, is it going towards the direction of these SV Innovates classrooms with the flexible seating and upgraded technology? Is that kind of what we're looking at? Oh, I think that's a great point. I appreciate you bringing that up. So a couple of years ago, we received some one-time money from the state of California. Governor Brown was very fond of giving us one-time money. And I will always accept any funding that I can receive <laughs> from my school district, but one-time money can be difficult because it can't be spent on anything that's an ongoing cost. And so when we worked with our Board of Education to say, you know, we're really hearing from our teachers that their furniture is not meeting the needs of their their 21st century or next generation classrooms and really how could we support them so what we did is we said we're going to allocate a portion of that one-time money and we're going to go ahead and upgrade the classrooms for some teachers who are really interested and so we were able to do two elementary classrooms five intermediate classrooms and 10 high school classrooms last year and this year through an application process. So teachers applied and said, I really wanna have that upgraded classroom. It'll allow me to take my instruction to the next level. And so we've been able to implement those. And the feedback we're, we're receiving so far is incredible. We're hearing that kids are more engaged, they're coming to school on time. Um, in fact, one dad told me his second grader went from late every single day to now he can't wait to get to school and he feels like he has the freedom to move and do what he needs to do to be su successful in the classroom. And so, yes, those classrooms are a great example of what we'd be able to do if somehow we were able to find the funding to really complete our facilities master plan. Okay, great. So listeners, uh, just so you know, at every one of our school sites, there are uh, some of these SV Innovates classrooms and some of your children may actually be in them. So if you have an opportunity, maybe you can connect at your school site, take a tour of a classroom after school hours. It might be a good idea if you want some more idea, really be able to see what we're talking about. Uh, but they are, they're fantastic. I know one of my favorite parts of those, I always joke around, are the uh, erasable whiteboard tables. Uh, as a teacher, those are phenomenal tools. As a former teacher, I definitely appreciate having that 
uh, in my classroom. So, okay, I think we have a general understanding of what the FMP is and why we need it, and uh, that funding really does not meet the needs. The current funding model that we have doesn't meet the needs to go in and fulfill all these. So let's go ahead and go back, because that word bond's been passed around a lot, and I know we uh, really want to educate our uh, listeners uh, and our stakeholders on around that word. Uh, so this again going back to what you said it's a possible option for funding this specifically how would funds from a local school improvement bond measure be used with the uh, with this process so um, again in our facilities master plan we've outlined all of our needs by site specifically and so what we're really hearing from our teachers and our communities is that um, stem and next generation teaching and learning opportunities are really what what our students are asking for, what our parents are asking for, having those modern upgraded science labs, engineering labs, um, career technical education facilities, so that kids can really be prepared when they leave us either at college or in a career. Um, we really would like to have the facilities that support our music and visual and performing arts. Uh, we have some roofs that need repairing. We have, as I mentioned earlier, some you know heating and air conditioning uh, that needs to be repaired. Uh, we need to make sure that all of our schools have sort of a baseline of what they look like, whether they were built 25 years ago or 60 years ago, and really just keeping that focus on learning. So I, I don't want to spend a lot of money on things that don't directly affect the classroom. And so our entire focus is around our vision with SV Innovates. And SV Innovates, for those of you who haven't heard, it's really a focus on intentional lesson design. That means we don't go to the file cabinet and pick out the same lesson we did for the last 10 years and try to do it again. Our kids are different every year and they have different needs. And number two is around engaging strategies. And so these, these flexible classrooms allow kids to work in a team collaboratively like you would at work um, and really preparing from that next level. We know that a lecture style classroom is really not an effective way to keep our kids engaged. And number three, we focus around innovative practices at our schools. And while for some that might mean technology, for others it might mean um, finding a better way to do things. And so those three things, intentional lesson design, engaging strategies, and innovation, all combine to create successful students in our classrooms today and whenever they leave us. For us, we went to school in that type of model where we just sat, we were passive listeners and learners, the teacher was at the front of the room, really the knowledge, head of all knowledge and uh, giving that knowledge you know, to some passive listeners. So it's really, I think, for our parents and a lot of us that went through school in that system, this is really a shift in uh, practice, right? In pedagogy where it's really the teacher is facilitating the learning but the students are really taking it by the horns and doing the lead collaboratively if someone walks in the classroom they may think it's a lot of chaos right and you're used to those single rows very quiet everyone listening to the teacher and sometimes uh, i know when my sister my nephews in our district now walked in it's like oh there's a lot going on there but it's great stuff going on it's active they're participating the way they should be right so i don't think i want you know our listeners to know if you see a classroom that looks like it's a little active that's the, the point we don't want them sitting there super quiet just listening to a teacher up front so. yeah all right, I have another question about the bond. Would it be used to pay for teacher administrator salaries uh, or pensions? Does the bond help fund that? No, bonds are not used for salaries. So none of the money from this measure could be used for admin or teacher salaries, benefits, pensions. 
it's it's not a, a, a way that we can spend that money. Okay. So along the same lines, um, that's great to know that it's definitely specific towards those improvements to the school sites. But how would we also ensure that the money is being used responsibly and in the way it was intended to be used for those facility master plan improvements? Well, we are governed by some pretty strict laws that make sure that we do it just right. And we also have that great track record with Measure B, which was 15 years ago. And um, as with Measure B, where we showed that we were extremely responsible and followed all of the, the laws and guidelines, this bond would be exactly the same. So there's an independent citizen oversight committee with annual third-party audits, and those are required as part of our bond. No money can be used for administrator salaries. All money that's raised by the measure would stay local in our schools to support our kids and cannot be taken away from the state. And our local schools would be eligible to receive at least $35 million in state matching money when it becomes available. Otherwise, that money won't come to our school district. And so part of the success of Measure B was that the state offered matching funds. And so we were able to almost double what we were able to spend with Measure B. So without those funds available through a bond, we wouldn't have the ability to match those funds coming from the state. That's amazing. So then there are there other options then? So you have, say there's a possible bond and then state matching funds is another option to kind of help along the process. Right, and with state matching funds, if you don't have the funds to match, you can't, you're not eligible for those funds. So we always um, wanna be upfront with that, that we would have the opportunity to grow what we were able to do if we had those funds available. So let's go ahead and get to the nitty gritty of uh, dollars and cents here. If a bond were to be uh, called by the Board of Education and it were to be put on a ballot, uh, what would that cost the average homeowner? So if they're living in our district boundaries and a bond were to pass, what would that fiscal impact be to a homeowner? Well, no decision has been made as to how much we would want to ask for. The board takes action on those types of things. But when we're looking at our initial polling um, and what we have in our facilities master plan, the cost would actually be about $34 per 100000 in assessed value, not market value. And an average in our area, it would cost about $130 a year per homeowner. So pretty affordable, a little over you know, $13 a month. Okay, great. Let's go ahead. I know there's some confusion with this language. Can you define uh, for our listeners market value versus assessed value? Uh, because that's essentially what the, what would determine uh, what the cost would be per homeowner. So what is that? So our property values um, are different than our assessed value. So if you go to sell your home, that's a much different value than what's on your property taxes. So the assessed value is the number that you would look at on your property tax bill versus what you might be able to sell your home for. For example, I'll, I'll give you a personal note. So for some of the, you listening, this is how this works, right? Assessed versus uh, market value. So if I bought my home for $400,000 20 years ago, it's hopefully now worth maybe double, especially in the area that we're in, right? $800,000, let's say. It's a good, good little uh, investment I made for myself. My taxes are based on the 400,000, not the current 800,000. Correct. Okay. Great. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So what about for our listeners that live in our district boundaries, but they don't have any kids in our school? Uh, why is funding the facilities master plan or ensuring that our schools are in the best possible shape that they can be and offering great programs? How is this affect how does this affect those listeners that maybe had kids that came went through our district they're long gone now uh, they don't have grandchildren kids in our district what's the value to them in uh, helping 
along. So great schools support strong, safe communities, bottom line. Whether you do or don't have school-aged children, protecting high-quality schools means protecting your quality of life and keeping your community as a desirable, a desirable place for young families to raise their children. And if you're going for the selfish reason of property values, we know that great schools increase value. Great. Okay, so you have to live in our boundaries to vote for this in the Saddleback Valley Unified School District boundaries to be able to be eligible to vote. Um, and then what percentage or what type of support is needed to make it a go? Is there a certain percentage of uh, voters that need to vote yes for it to happen or how does that work? Yeah, we would need to have 55% of our voters um, say that they were interested in supporting the bond. And in our initial community surveying, where we were kind of looking to see what kind of interest there would be, we are well above that. So I hope that that number will only grow as, as our community hears about our exciting plans. Right. And obviously, you need to be registered to vote in order to be able to vote. Uh, Dr. Turner, off the top of your head, do you know what that website is for our listeners to go to if they haven't registered to vote yet? I sure do, Mark. It's You can register to vote at registertovote.ca.gov. Great. That's register to vote, and that to is the word to, T-O, dot C-A, dot gov. Great. And if there's any more questions, of course, our listeners can always go to our website, www.svusd.org, for additional information on the facilities master plan and a lot of other things happening in our district. Is there anything else you'd like to say as we wrap up our first episode, Dr. Turner? I think this was fun. What do you think? I think it was a great time. I think I'd like to wrap up with the fact that our schools, even though they are aging, they are still clean and well run. And I have teachers in every classroom who are working so hard every day to provide excellent education. And I think for them to really be able to take it to the next level, they need some financial support to help those facilities come along with them. We have a great school community. We have a great community that's around us. And I look forward to having your support as we move forward. Great. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to explain to our listeners a little bit more about the facilities master plan and possible bond measure. We appreciate your time, Dr. Turner. And thank you to our listeners for listening to the inaugural episode of Saddleback Valley Shares. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Have a good day.